This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. As many of you know, after a wedding ceremony and the celebration, the next step in the marital process is the consummation of the marriage. That's the next step. The implication here is that a marriage does not actually begin until the first act of sexual intercourse takes place between a husband and a wife after the wedding. This singular act consummates the marriage, and until this consummation happens, the marriage is not yet officially in effect. In other words, the deal is not sealed until the consummation of the marriage. The sealing of the deal is a binding enactment that renders both persons responsible and accountable for managing the process and the outcome of the marriage, but only after they have entered into the marriage deal. Notice I didn't say relationship deal. I said the marriage deal. And there can be no consummation unless there is an entering into the deal. To be clear, two people could engage in sexual intercourse, but that does not constitute a marriage. The fact that two people are of the same gender does not mean they are married. And the fact that two people choose to enter into a legal contract does not mean they are married either. To be married, and I want to be clear, to be married means to be joined together into a spiritual union that is both matrimonial and holy. (laughs) To make it very clear, a wedding is a ceremony where two people are pledged to be married and after the consummation are authorized to live in holy matrimony as one flesh. As a pastor, I can pronounce two people as husband and wife, meaning they have made a pledge and have the pastoral endorsement to be married. But after the pronouncement, this is when the pastor says, I now pronounce you husband and wife at the altar. After the pronouncement, the authorization for the marriage comes from God through the consummation. I can't marry people. I hope you're hearing me. I cannot marry people. Only God can do that. I can only pronounce people to be husband and wife so that God can then authorize them to be married. (laughs) If this is unclear, let's look carefully at our text 
And notice the sequence of events. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Notice the first statement. Pledged to be married. This speaks of intent and plan. But then you read the full sentence. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But before they came together, meaning before they could consummate the marriage, Mary was found to be pregnant. Meaning, she was already consummated. And as far as Joseph was concerned, Mary had violated the pledge. And because the pledge had been violated, they could not be permitted to live in holy matrimony. And so, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But by Jewish Levitical law and custom, church, listen to me carefully, Joseph had a legitimate and a legal basis to walk away. And so because Joseph was faithful to the law, that's what it says in the text, he wanted to divorce her, but he was compassionate and did not want to cause her any disgrace, so he would just divorce her according to the law and do it quietly because he wanted to protect her reputation. But here is my question, church. Here is the difficulty in the text. If he were only pledged to be married, and if the marriage was not consummated by him, then why would he need to divorce her? Why would he need to divorce? Listen, they were only pledged to be married. He did not consummate the marriage. It was not legal in and authorized by God. Why then was he going to now be able to divorce a woman he was not married to? <laughs> this is quite bizarre. And, and Joseph could have simply have said at that moment, I'm out. I'm out. So it's bizarre to me. And the only way that I can make sense and make it make sense to me, and I hope you're tracking with, with me, is if you are pledged to be married in some way, that becomes a legal binding contract. And that is exactly what it is. A pledge to be married is to be understood in the same way we understand a letter of intent. 
It is the only legal and binding contractual arrangement of a relationship between two people. It is similar to a letter which someone can get from a bank and present it to, say, the seller of a home or a car. You present the letter of intent, and the bank uses that letter of intent as a way of authorizing and giving you the car or the house, just from the letter of intent. It's a formal engagement, sort of like a betrothal, right? And, and it is the part of the process that is actually legal. Now, after you have this letter of intent, the next step in the process is the consummation or the sealing of the deal. And this part of the process is not legal, it's spiritual. So, now because Mary had seemingly violated the letter of intent, Joseph wanted a legal divorce, which is a term for dissolving the contract, and it was entirely permissible because there was no consummation. So a divorce is permissible after you have a pledge because that is a legal contractual procedure. It is the part that allows the minister at a wedding to have the, the husband and the wife, after he has declared them as such, to now do what? And all of the pastors and ministers know, after they say, I do, you do, we do, and we're happy, I now pronounce you husband and wife, the next step is we go into a little room with the husband and wife. And there's a little paper that they sign that I fold up and put in my pocket, and then they go have their party. And that little paper... That, I, that they sign and I sign together, we send that to the state of New York, it's clerk's office, because all of that is the legal stuff. But then the husband and wife move to the step, which is the consummation of the relationship. And once this happens, divorce is not to be permitted. This is a part of the wedding vow that says, what God has joined together. Let no man put asunder. I'm in the book. What God has, not, it didn't say what the preacher has joined together. It didn't say anything about what the pastor did by pronouncing husband and wife. It says what God has joined together. Yeah. Let no preacher, pastor put asunder. Now we're all talking law stuff. It is a declaration and an acknowledgement that after the first legal condition has been satisfied, the next step is to satisfy the spiritual condition, which is to receive God's seal of approval. Our people perish from a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. So I want to be very clear. You see, before consummation, your relationship can be annulled. Before consummation, your relationship can be delegitimized. Before consummation, your relationship can be dissolved. And before consummation, you can be divorced. Before consummation, you can be separated from anything that would normally bind you to the relationship all before consummation. Yeah. But after consummation... Your relationship is binding. After consummation, your relationship cannot be delegitimized. After consummation, your relationship cannot be dissolved. And after consummation, you cannot be divorced. 
causing a lot of problems right now with me and the church and everybody else who's listening, especially if you are, have been divorced. Believe me, I understand. I'm just telling you the truth until grace. So a pledge or letter of intent is the first step before God's seal of approval. After you have consummated the pledge and received his seal of approval, after you've gotten God's seal of approval, you now enter into what we know as a covenant. Covenants can be loosely compared to promises, but often with a lot more weight behind it. Covenants are sacred, and they often take place between God and people, and sometimes between individuals in the sight of God. A marriage, before all of the people at the wedding, you are entering into a covenant. Yeah. Originally, when covenants were made, they resembled a type of blood pact, requiring a sacrifice in order to be sealed. The most detailed account of an act of covenant we find in Genesis, when God made one with Abram, before changing his name to Abraham. God promised to give him descendants as numerous as the stars and land and as far as the eye can see. And God sealed this deal with a blood sacrifice. Notice, God made a pledge to Abraham, sealed the deal with a blood sacrifice, and then changed his name to Abraham. We also see this covenant of God's chosen people being sealed with the physical circumcision of a child as an authenticating measure that they are part of the family. So since Joseph and Mary's pledge was not yet consummated, we're going somewhere, church, Joseph was well within his rights to give Mary a bill of divorcement that would have been appropriate and legal under the circumstances. We cannot fault Joseph for wanting to say, Mary, you are not who I thought you were. Joseph was pledged to be married to this woman, and she had violated the terms of that pledge. As far as Joseph was concerned, Mary, you are out of order. You are no longer wife material. Mary, did you know you had to go? For to Joseph, Mary had consummated another pledge. There is a problem. <laughs> Pastor, you keep finding problems. Yes. You see, while Mary had appeared to have consummated another pledge, just think, let's put yourselves in Joseph's shoes for a moment. You are engaged to be married to this person, and then you find out she's pregnant. It is going to be very difficult for you to think anything other than what you're thinking right now. <laughs> you see, Mary had consummated another pledge, but Joseph was being instructed to disobey the law. You see, it says, and, and then, and for, for an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Eve, and said, Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now I can see Joseph's face in the dream. What? 
don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. I personally don't think that Joseph's problem was fear. I think his problem was shame. Perhaps the text meant to be interpreted, Joseph, do not be ashamed to take Mary home as your wife. For it is clear that, as I said before to Joseph, this is not the woman I thought she was. But this is a dream and a message from God. So, so church, what do you do when God is asking you to seemingly go against his own statutes and laws? What do you do when God is asking you to violate something that you know is his own word? He's told you these things. In fact, it's not a, in fact, this question is not strange to those who love the Lord. Because guess what? When God told Abram to kill his only begotten son Isaac, that's a strange dilemma. When God told Moses to, you know what, hit these Egyptians with ten plagues. When God told David, go face this giant. When God made Esther go before the king. When God made Jesus go to the cross. What do you do when God is asking you to do something that makes absolutely no sense, especially when you are faithful to the law as Joseph was? Joseph, this woman who is pregnant, who you have been pledged to, don't put her away, even though I know you're ashamed. Take her anyway. When you see the shame and you feel it in your heart, still accept her. Joseph, it's okay. God, it's not okay. It doesn't feel okay. The point is, it was not uncommon for God to ask us and to continue to ask us to do things that on the surface appear to violate the very same laws and commandments that God himself has given to us. It is a test of faith. He is God and his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are are not our thoughts. And in his omniscience and his all-knowing omnipotence, his all-power, and in his omnipresence and his immutability, he is God and he alone is sovereign. So whatever you are facing in your life, whatever you are dealing with in your life that you think God has brought you to that doesn't make sense, what I'm telling you is that he knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. So because he is God and God alone, he knows things that we don't know. And he has a purpose for every instruction that he gives us in our lives. Sure, it doesn't make sense to Joseph that he should still take Mary as his wife. But that's what it looks like to you and me. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mary was pregnant with the promise and purpose of the coming Messiah as foretold by the prophets. And Joseph was being asked to protect her. Mary had been pledged to God long before she had been pledged to Joseph. <laughs> Listen carefully. Mary had been pledged to the father long before Joseph came along. 
And that pledge was consummated by God through the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of God the Son we know in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But here's the part I want to get to in the text as I get ready to close. Verse 25. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Mary was joined to God before she was joined to Joseph. I hope you're hearing this in your spirit. Mary was joined to God, consummated to God, set apart, consecrated for his good purpose before she was ready for anyone else. Set apart before presentation. I, I don't know what you're hearing. So what does all of this talk about the Christmas story and the consummation and, and marriage have to do with anything? I am glad you asked. So let's look at the text one more time. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, pledged. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I hope you're hearing the flow. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, who was pledged to marry a pregnant woman, took her home to be his wife and it was only after she gave birth to the child that he consummated his marriage. But Mary had already received God's seal of approval by the Holy Spirit. In a similar way, God the Father pledged to save a people who he had a legal right to condemn because of their sin. But instead used his only begotten son to consummate the pledge through the shedding of his own blood and by his death gave birth to the church giving us the right to be called children of God and, and, and the shedding of Jesus' blood consummated our marriage thereby 
enabling the Holy Spirit to dwell within each and every one of us in holy matrimony. God's seal of approval is the Holy Spirit. And through faith, brothers and sisters, we become the bride of Christ. This is the Christmas message. The sealing of God's promise to redeem humanity from its sins was consummated through the blood of Jesus Christ and we received the Holy Spirit as the seal of approval. So Joseph did not consummate his marriage with Mary until after Jesus was born because he had to wait for the birth of the child in order for that deal to be sealed. I don't know what you have heard in this message, but what I really want you to know is that if it is the law that you live by, then it's okay to go get a divorce. If it's the law you live by, it's okay to go get a divorce. But if you have received the seal of approval, God's seal of approval by believing and accepting the gift of salvation through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, then the deal is sealed. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, no devil, no demon, no one put asunder. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I speak today, brothers and sisters, of spiritual things. We divorce in the natural, in all of our different relationships. And God's grace covers it all. But there is a marriage and a consummation that no demon in hell could ever take you away from. And so, my brothers and my sisters, my Christmas message of hope to you is this. That if you have been consummated by the Holy Spirit, then you will, you will receive eternal life. May God richly, richly bless you and may you have a very merry Christmas. Amen?